Clearshore presents How Companies Strangle Innovation and How You Can Get It Right by Steve Blank, September 14th, 2017 at steveblank.com. I just watched a very smart company try to manage innovation by hiring a global consulting firm to offload engineering from distractions. They accomplished their goal, but at a huge, unanticipated cost, the processes and committees they designed ended up strangling innovation. There's a much better way. An existing company or government organization is primarily organized for day-to-day execution of its current business processes or mission. From the point of view of the executors, having too many innovation ideas gets in the way of execution. Pete Newell and I were working with a company that was getting its butt kicked from near-peer competitors as well as from a wave of well-funded insurgent startups. This was a very large and established tech company. Its engineering organization developed the core day-to-day capabilities of the organization. Engineering continually felt overwhelmed. They were trying to keep up with providing the core services necessary to run the current business and at the same time deal with a flood of well-meaning but uncoordinated ideas about new features, technologies, and innovations coming at them from all directions. It didn't help that innovation was the new hot-button buzzword from senior leadership, and incubators were sprouting up in every division of their company. It just made their job more unmanageable. One of the senior engineering directors I greatly admire, who at one time or another had managed their largest technology groups, described the problem in pretty graphic terms. The volume of ideas creates a denial-of-service attack against capability developers furthers technical debt, and further encumbers the dollars that should be applied towards better innovation. Essentially, the engineering organization was saying that innovation without a filter was as bad as no innovation at all. So, in response, the company had hired a global consulting firm to help solve the problem. After a year of analysis and millions of dollars in consulting fees, The result was a set of formal processes and committees to help create a rational innovation pipeline. They would narrow down the proposed ideas and choose which ones to fund and staff. I took one look at the process they came up with and could have sworn that it was invented by the company's competitors to throttle innovation. The new innovation process had lots of paperwork, committees, application forms, and presentations, and pitches. People with ideas, technology, or problems pitched in front of the evaluation committee. It seemed to make sense to have all the parties represented at the committee, so lots of people attended. Program managers who controlled the budget, the developers responsible for maintaining and enhancing the current product and building new ones, and representatives from the operating divisions who needed and would use these products. Someone with an idea would fill out the paperwork justifying the need for this innovation, it would go to the needs committee, and then to an overall needs assessment board to see if the idea was worth assigning people and budget to. And oh, since the innovation wasn't in this year's budget, it would only get started in the next year. Seriously. As you can guess, in the nine months this process has been in place, the company has approved no new innovation initiatives. 
but new, unbudgeted, and unplanned threats kept emerging at a speed their organization couldn't respond to. At least it succeeded in not distracting the developers. This was done by smart, well-intentioned adults, thinking they were doing the right thing for their company, and consultants who thought this was great innovation advice. What went wrong here? Three common mistakes. First, the company, and most others, viewed innovation as unconstrained activities with no discipline. In reality, for innovation to contribute to a company or government agency, it needs to be designed by a process from start to development. Second, the company had not factored in that their technology advantage attrited every year, and new threats would appear faster than their current systems could handle. Ironically, by standing still, they were falling behind. Third, this company had no formal innovation pipeline process before proposals went to the committee. Approvals tended to be based on who had the best demo and or slides or lobbied the hardest. There was no burden on those who proposed a new idea or technology to talk to customers, build minimum viable products, test hypotheses, or understand the barriers to development. The company had a series of uncoordinated tools and methodologies as activities, but nothing to generate evidence to refine the ideas, technology, or problems as an integrated innovation process, though they did have a great incubator with wonderful coffee cups. There were no requirements for the innovator. Instead, the process dumped all of these innovations on well-intentioned, smart people sitting in a committee who thought they could recompute whether these innovation ideas were worth pursuing. What the company needed was a self-regulating, evidence-based innovation pipeline. Instead of having a committee vet ideas, they needed a process that operated with speed and urgency and innovators and stakeholders who curated and prioritized their own problems slash ideas slash technology. All this would occur before any new idea, tech, or problem hit engineering. This way, the innovators that reached engineering would already have substantial evidence about validated customer needs, processes, legal, security, and integration issues identified and most importantly, minimum viable products and working prototypes already tested. A canonical lean innovation process inside a company or government agency would need this type of idea. As the head of the U.S. Army's Rapid Equipping Force, Pete Newell built a battle-tested process to get technology solutions deployed rapidly. This process, called curation, gets innovators to work through a formal process of getting out of their offices and understanding internal and external survey, such as other places the problem might exist in a slightly different form, internal projects already in existence, commercially available solutions, legal issues, security issues, support issues, as well as use cases and concept of operations, such as who are the customers, stakeholders, other players, how do they interact, what are the pains and gains, jobs to be done, how does the proposed solution work from the viewpoint of the users. And what would the initial minimum viable products, incremental and iterative solutions, look like? In the meantime, the innovators would begin to build initial minimum viable products, incremental and iterative tests of key hypotheses. Some ideas will drop out when the team itself recognizes that they may be technically, financially, or legally unfeasible, 
or they may discover that other groups have already built a similar product. One of the quickest ways to start innovation ideas is to use the McKinsey Three Horizons model. Horizon One ideas provide continuous innovation to a company's existing business model and core capabilities. Horizon Two ideas extend a company's existing business model and core capabilities to new customers, markets, or targets. Horizon Three is the creation of new capabilities to take advantage of or respond to disruptive opportunities or disruption. And we added a new category, Category Zero, which defers or graveyards ideas that are not viable or feasible. At the end of this prioritization step, the teams meet another milestone. Is this project worth pursuing for another few months full-time? A key concept of prioritization across all horizons is that this ranking is not done by a remote committee, but by the innovation teams themselves as an early step in their discovery process. The ideas that pass through the prioritization filter enter an I-Core incubation process. I-Core was adopted by all U.S. government federal research agencies to turn ideas into products. Over 1,000 teams of our country's best scientists have gone through the program taught in over 50 universities. Segments of the U.S. Department of Defense and Intelligence community have also adopted this model as the hacking for defense process. This six to 10 week process delivers evidence to defensible data-based decisions. It tests the initial idea against all the hypotheses in a business model, or for the government, the mission model, Canvas. This not only includes the obvious, is their product market, solution, mission, fit, but the other gotchas that innovators always seem to forget. The framework has the team talking not just to potential customers, but also with regulators and people responsible for legal, policy, finance, and support. It also requires that they think through compatibility, scalability, and deployment long before this gets presented to engineering. There is now another milestone for the team to show compelling evidence that this project deserves to be a new mainstream capability and inserted into engineering. Or does it create a new capability that could be spun into its own organization? Or does the team think it should be killed? Once hypothesis testing is complete, many projects will still need a period of incubation as the teams championing the projects need to gather additional data about the application as well as may need to mature as a team before they are ready to integrate with a Horizon 1 engineering organization or product division. Incubation requires dedicated leadership oversight from the Horizon 1 organization to ensure the fledgling project does not die of malnutrition, a lack of access to resources, or become an orphan, no parent to guide them. Trying to integrate new, unbudgeted, and unscheduled Horizon 1 and 2 innovation projects into an engineering organization that has line-item budgets for people and resources results in chaos and frustration. In addition, innovation projects not only carry technical debt, but also organizational debt. Technical debt describes what happens when software or hardware is built quickly to validate hypothesis and find early customers. This quick and dirty development results in software that can become unwieldy, difficult to maintain, and incapable of scaling. Organizational debt is all the people and culture compromises made to just get it done in the early stages of an innovation project. 
you clean up technical debt through refactoring by going into the existing code and restructuring it to make the code stable and understandable. You fix organizational debt by refactoring the team, realizing that most of the team who built and validated a prototype may not be the right team to take it to scale, but is more valuable starting the next innovation initiative. Often, when an innovation pipeline runs head-on into a process-driven execution organization, chaos and finger-pointing ensues and adoption of new projects stall. To solve this problem, we acknowledge that innovation projects will need to refactor both technical and organizational debt to become a mainstream product or service. To do so, the innovation pipeline has engineering set up a small refactoring organization to move those validated prototypes into production. In addition, to solve the problem that innovation is always unscheduled and unbudgeted, this group has a dedicated annual budget. Some products and services going through the pipeline create new capabilities or open new markets. These Horizon 3 disruptive innovations need to be separate from the existing development organizations and be allowed to grow and develop in physically separate spaces. They need the support and oversight of the CEO. Fast forward a year and slowly, like turning a supertanker, the innovation pipeline we proposed is taking shape. The company has adopted lean language and process, curation, prioritization, Three Horizons, i Business Model Canvas, Customer Development, and Agile Engineering. Lessons Learned Every large company and government agency is dealing with disruption. Most have concluded that business as usual cannot go on. Yet, while the top of the organization gets it and the innovators at the bottom get it, there has been no relief for the engineering groups trying to keep the lights on. Innovation isn't a single activity. It is a process from start to development. In execution engines, committees and broad stakeholder involvement make sense because experience, knowledge, and data from the past allow better decision-making. In innovation engines, there isn't the data to decide between competing ideas and projects since nobody's been in the future. So the teams need to gather facts outside their cubicle or building quickly. A self-regulating, evidence-based, lean innovation process will deliver continuous innovation and disruptive breakthroughs with speed and urgency. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. We would like to hear from you, so please send your thoughts to comments at clearshore.us or visit us at clearshore.us. If you would like this show delivered to you automatically, you can subscribe to the Clearshore Podcasts on iTunes. Wishing you all the best until next time.